Amen. I'm going to borrow this stand if I can get it down here. And uh, come down where you're at. How's that? I like getting right down under the spout where the glory comes out. Right down among God's people and be able to preach to you. And it's pretty sad when the lady singing is taller than the guy preaching. <laughs> oh. My wife said to me recently, she said, why don't, because my hair is thinning, she said, why don't you just go zip it off? Everybody else is. And, and I said, well, I have a reason. She said, you do? What's the reason? I said, I have been short and fat and ugly all of my life. I don't want to be short, fat, ugly, and bald. Does that make sense? I told the brother, new brother I just met this morning, I liked his bow tie. I said, if I didn't have so much that needed covered up, I'd wear one of those things. But I got so much to cover up down there. I, I need to go back to those old-fashioned ties, you know. Remember those? Looked like they had half of a couch on your belly. But uh, anyhow, I hope you got a little rest this afternoon and that you're uh, not only rested up, but your spirit is is relaxed and you're ready to hear uh, from the Word of God. And uh, Someone was uh, kind of ribbing Brother Allen this afternoon, I guess, about that we got out of church before noon today. So I thought I'd make up for it tonight. How's that? No, I'm, I'm just kidding. I... Uh, I am so concerned about what I see in our churches. I mentioned it in Sunday school. I'm concerned about the fact that 5,000 churches are closing every year. Now, some of those need to close. We know that, right? But that supposedly 1,000 of those are Bible preaching churches that at least have some testimony for Christ. I'm more concerned <clears throat> as I go into good churches, and I consider this a good church, good people, good man of God. And I, I, but I'm more concerned as I see the, the trend that I'm seeing in our churches where we are rapidly becoming Sunday morning Christians. And, uh, and when I say Sunday morning Christians, I, I mean uh, if we have a church of 100, usually... It's like pulling teeth to get half of that back on Sunday night. And Wednesday night, of course, is even worse. Am I right about that? And, and it's not, uh, it's not uh, just a church here and a church there. It seems like it's churches everywhere. And uh, I believe that we're not going to win America that way. Now, I understand. Do we all understand in the last days perilous times are going to come? We understand that, right? Do we understand that there's going to be, before the return of the Lord, there's going to be a great falling away? But I am I'm convinced that we don't have to be part of that. That we can stand firm and we can continue to grow and we can continue to win the lost and see uh, the blessings of God. So one of the things that I do is I, I travel the country doing a lot of church planting conferences trying to start, uh, help start baby churches around the country. And I remember when I um, went to Boston in 1974 to start the first church that I started, I, uh, I said to Brother Gene Milioni in Finley, Ohio, I was there one year as his assistant, kind of getting our feet back on the ground from college. And 
I said to him, what is the one single piece of advice you would give me about planting a new church? And, uh, and his advice was good, although I think what I'm going to give you tonight is better. But his advice was this. Go to whatever town you're going to go to and uh, buy your cemetery lot. And what he meant was, go there to stay. And that's good advice, isn't it? But I, I want to tell you, I think that the real demise of the church today is that we've learned how to have church. We've learned how to have church without the power of God in our lives. We've learned how to go through all the formalities of church, but much of that is without the power of the Spirit of God in our lives. So I want to just talk a little bit about that tonight. So I'm going to ask you if you'll take your Bibles to go to Acts chapter number 1. Acts chapter number 1. And uh, I want to read just a couple of verses there and then go over to Acts chapter 2 and read a few verses there. Acts chapter 1, and when you found that, say amen. All right, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. But you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Now, go over to Acts chapter number 2 and verse 38. Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For the promise is unto you and your children, and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. And with many other words did he testify and exhort, saying, Save yourself from this untoward generation. Then they that gladly received his word were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about three thousand souls. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread, and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. And all that believed were together, and had all things common, and sold their possessions and goods, and parted them to all men, as every man had need. And they, continuing daily with one accord in the temple, and breaking bread from house to house, did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. I quoted that this morning. I believe that it is God's plan that our churches grow and that we see fruit being born. Anything that is alive ought to duplicate itself, replicate itself. It ought to reproduce after its own kind. So let's pray and we'll look at the message Uh, that God has laid on my heart tonight. Father, we love you and pray now that you'll bless uh, the message tonight to our hearts. Speak to us through your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Uh, Amen. So uh, this year, uh, November, uh, I will celebrate 52 years of preaching the gospel, having started as a uh, 17-year-old boy. And so that'll be 52 years for me. And and, uh, I... uh, have had a little bit of background with independent Baptist churches since I uh, went to, off to church as about a five-day-old baby uh, in the receiving blanket. Mom and Dad took me to the house of God, and I've been in an independent Baptist church ever since. So that's all I know. 
And I think it, it doesn't even need said, but I'll say it for emphasis tonight, that there's been a lot of changes in 50 years. Now, I want to say that some of those changes have uh, been very, very good. Uh, let me tell you some of those changes. I just preached at Liberty Baptist Church, I think, three weeks ago for their 70th anniversary. That was the first time I'd ever preached in my church where I grew up uh, because I've been long distance away all these years. But uh, the preacher called me and said, hey, we got to talking about it and thought, who, who else would be the right speaker but you? You know, grew up in this church, knew most of the preachers, and we'd like to have you come back. And so uh, I did, and, and, and going back there, I had some memories, and some of them were talked about in the anniversary service that morning. One of them was that the church began in what was called the creamery. You say, what was the creamery? Well, it was the milk store. It was the place where they produced the milk, where uh, all the raw milk came in, and they made, you know, cheese and cottage cheese and milk and, and all the things, cream and all the things they had back in that uh, in that day. And, and so we'd go in on Saturday night, and we'd hose that place down, try to clean it up just a little bit, and then we'd go in there on Sunday morning, and they had benches, and we'd set those benches up. And, Brother Jack, those benches, they were not padded benches. Those were little old hard benches. And I remember as a little boy, I mean really a little boy, sitting on that. And it's, a, it's a faint memory in my, in my mind, but it's in my mind. Uh, my dad kind of whacking me across the side of the head and saying, Sit up, boy, and listen to the Word of God. And, uh, boy, those old hard pews were, uh, they weren't pews, they were benches, and they had no back. And I'm telling you, after a while, and by the way, preachers in that day didn't really care what you thought about long sermons. I mean, every sermon was a long one, amen? And, and people, you know, came to hear the Word of God. And by the way, I want to say this to you, we ought to come to hear the Word of God. We ought, we ought to come to get in, not to get out, Amen to let God minister and bless us. So I'm glad that over the years uh, uh, we've been blessed to have some padded pews. I, I see you all out there sitting on those nice padded pews, and I suspect that if we take a vote here tonight and say, would you like to go back to solid hardwood pews? You'd say, oh, no, preacher, this feels really good. Amen? So that's not, are you with me tonight? That's not a bad change. Can you say amen to that? That is not a bad change. I remember when, uh, in my younger years of pastoring, I remember everything we had to copy, we had to copy with an old mimeograph machine. You all remember those things? Those things were the nastiest, dirtiest, uh, hardest things to work with. You remember taking those masters off, and then you had to put them in a little envelope type thing, and you got more ink on you than you got on the papers you were trying to make, and uh, they were a mess. Today, it's so nice. You go in, you can print double-sided. It's digital. It goes boom, 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 and you got a hundred copies, and, and it looks good. Amen. It looks like it's just been typed out. And, and so that, uh, obviously, is a, a good change. I remember uh, being in a meeting of Baptists down in the old, uh, what is the name of that little town? Just uh, south of Brookville, Cedar Grove, where the first uh, Baptist church in Indiana is located. That little uh, brick building is still there. And I remember years ago, uh, Mac Evans and the quartet from Landmark came and did a concert there, and then somebody preached there to celebrate so many years uh, uh, of Baptist heritage in Indiana. And we all sat in a circle. 
because in that day they had a potbelly stove right in the middle of the room, and the preacher, I guess, kind of warmed himself as he went around that thing preaching to everybody, and that's just the way uh, it was set up. Well, I'm sure glad we just come in on Sunday morning and the thermostat has been set, and most of the time the heat's right and the air's right, although I learned a long time ago there will always be somebody complaining, it's too cold, and on the other side somebody complaining, it's too hot. I used to say, if you're too cold, bring a blanket with you. If you're too hot, I don't know what to tell you to do. Bring up bring one of those old funeral fans, amen, and fan yourself. So there's been a lot of good changes. And then there's been some not-so-good changes. The, the emerging church philosophy uh, that is changing all of our uh, thinking. I, I uh, went online the other day to look at a church. Uh, somebody told me, have, have you seen so-and-so's church? And I said, no. And I went online and... And on their platform, they have all these uh, little towers, little towers sitting all over the platform. And they're blue and they're red and they're green. And they're, and while the preacher's preaching, the towers, are, the lights are going up and down and up and down. And, and there's lights going around and, and there's smoke coming up off of the platform. Uh, I don't know what the smoke's for. I guess to, you know, kind of maybe make you think the that we're in the tabernacle and the Shekinah glory is there. I don't know. Uh, but all of that stuff. And I think to myself, you know, and I told a young preacher recently, how arrogant that we think we can create a mood for God. The reality is what we need to do is just get back to the biblical concepts of church planning. And I believe they work. I'm going to say this. When I went to New England in 1974, Everybody and their brother said to us, you'll not be able to do it up there. Everybody's tried. In fact, in the history books, they say that the cobblestone streets of Boston are the skulls of Baptist preachers. That's what they say in the history books. And, and it was a hard place. When we went to Holbrook, Massachusetts, uh, Braintree, Holbrook area, uh, we were told it would be between 85 and 90% Roman Catholic. And, uh, and I'm not talking about just mediocre Roman Catholicism. I'm talking about many generations of Italian and Irish Catholics. And we were told, you will not be able uh, to build a church up here. But when we left there in 1988 to take a troubled church in Florida, that little church was running over 300. And people said, there's just no way. And and the way it happened was because I'm such a good-looking man, people flocked uh, to the church. Well, that's not true. Uh, you know that's not true. Uh, and I'm such a great preacher. You know that's not true. You know how it happened? Because I believe that God can. I still believe tonight that God can. Amen? But I believe God has some principles that He requires of us if He's going to work uh, in our midst. So I want to just give you four of those principles tonight. Number one, if we're going to build God's church like He wants it built, number one, we need to get in contact with the power of the Holy Spirit of God. Number two, we need to have the power of prayer. I mean, we need to get back to where we really get a hold of God in prayer and God gets a hold of us in prayer and good things and great things happen because of prayer. Number three, we need to get a hold of the power of God's precepts. I want to just say this to you tonight. I believe with all of my heart that there's power in this book. Amen? People say to me, well, 
Preacher, you, you seem fearless about preaching the Word of God. Well, of course, because I have the dynamite of God's Word. It's the Word of God. It's quick and it's powerful. We need to get back to the power of God's precepts or His Word. And then number four, we need to get back to the power of preaching. All the young preachers I'm running into around the country, they think that the way to build a church is mow people's yards for free. And I'm all for helping people. I am. I am. I, we always try to minister to people uh, in our church. But I, I want to tell you that it is through the power of the preached Word. Because, see, the, hear, hear me tonight. It's not the way I deliver the Word. It's the Word I deliver that has the power. Amen? Because it is God's Word. I'll give you these quickly tonight. I'd just love to get you out maybe five minutes before the hour so we could all uh, torment Brother Allen a little a bit again uh, tonight. Would you all... Uh, text him and say, well, he did it again. He did it again. Number number one, the power, the power of the Holy Ghost. Would you look with me in Acts chapter 1 there again? He says, but ye shall receive power after that you graduate from seminary and uh, you get ordained by an ordination council and you learn how to impress people with... No, it doesn't say any of that, does it? You know what it says? Ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Look here. When we got saved, you all know this. Let me just remind you of it. That when we got saved, the Spirit of God came inside us. Amen? And He sealed us. Amen? He sealed us with His Holy Spirit. And He empowered us. And He invites us now for us to uh, take... Uh, that power and minister in that power. I know when I was a young preacher, I watched all these preachers. And I thought, well, maybe if I did this, uh, I'd be a powerful preacher. Or if I could copy that, I'd be a powerful preacher. It didn't take me long to understand that the power is not in anything we do. It is in the power that we possess, that power uh, of the Holy Spirit of God. Zechariah 4, 6 says this, Not by might nor by power, but by my what? My spirit, saith the Lord. I'm doing a, a complete study right now in the book of Zechariah, getting ready to preach a series of revival messages out of Zechariah. And uh, I'm excited about it. And, of course, Zechariah is telling the people, listen, you just came back out of captivity and you didn't learn too much there. You, you, you're, you're trying to do the same things you did. Uh, when, when I allowed you to go into Babylonian uh, captivity, and he's saying to you, it's not by might, it's not by your power, it's by allowing the Spirit of God uh, to minister. Now, I know the Spirit came on them and left in the Old Testament, but we're blessed the Spirit comes in us and stays in us, amen? And we have the benefit of His power. And the Bible tells us in Acts 4, 8, then Peter being filled filled uh, or furnished with the Holy Ghost, uh, with that power said unto them. So what Peter did in, in the book of Acts, he did by the power and the anointing of Almighty God. I know people that have studied the message that Peter preached on Pentecost, trying to figure out how they can kind of maybe duplicate that and have a big service at their church, and they missed the whole point. 
The Word of God is already powerful. We just need to present it in the power of the Holy Spirit of God. You know, uh, back years ago, back in the 70s, some of you will remember and what was called, well, I better hurry if I'm going to do that. Uh, Key 73, you remember that? It was the ecumenical movement where they were trying to draw everybody uh, together. And so the Pentecostals started highlighting the Spirit to the point that uh, he, the Spirit was honored even more than the name of Christ was. And, uh, and so Baptists, you know what they did? They went and crawled in the rocks and hid out in the rocks, and they were afraid to talk about the Holy Spirit. And God help you if you're a preacher like me, and you say the Holy Ghost, and the people freak out the Holy Ghost. Uh, and, and, uh, and we got where we, we just were afraid to say, I'm trying to do this in the power of the Holy Ghost, or somebody would think you're charismatic. Well, let me just tell you, uh, I'm not a charismatic tonight. I don't speak in tongues. I, I'm not jumping over pews or swinging off anybody's chandeliers. But I want to tell you this tonight. I believe we have to have the power of the Holy Spirit of God. We can have good services, and we can plan them, and we ought to plan them. But those services need to be done in the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God. Amen? And so the power... Uh, of the Holy Ghost. I'm going to move on. I, oh, I'd like to break that record. Number two, uh, the power of prayer. You know what I've noticed as I travel the country? I've noticed that in many of the churches I'm in, not all of them for sure, but in many of the churches I'm in, I am never once asked in a week of revival to have prayer with the pastor. I pray in my room. I pray when I get to the church, as I did this morning. I bowed during one of the songs and prayed and said, Lord, I want to do this right. I want your power as I preach the Word of God this morning. I pray like that many times. Now, I've been in a couple of churches where they wore me out getting my, on my knees during the week. Praise the Lord. And, you know, some of you are as old as I am and older. You know, it's harder to get on your knees these days. Amen. It's not maybe harder to get down. It's just harder to get up. Amen. And, and, and but so I, I'm in a couple of churches where, boy, those pastors want to pray. Well, you know, as I look at this New Testament church, we come to chapter 1 there again of Acts and verse 14. Would you, would you notice what it says? These all continued with one accord in what, church? In what? Look at verse 24. And they prayed. And they prayed. Look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 41. Uh, 42, I mean. Then they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in what? In prayers. Can I help you with something tonight? I, I, I'm, I, can I confess this to you? Maybe you'll feel better about what I'm saying. Prayer is the biggest struggle of my life. I'm a doer. I get up and I, my mind is, I'm already down the block a few blocks and I'm already thinking about what I'm going to do in the afternoon. My head is spinning all the time. If I don't just discipline myself to pray, I can go, I can go hours and not pray. So I have to work at that. I tell people everywhere I go, I am a work in progress when it comes to prayer. I'm not there yet, but I'm sure trying to get there. Amen. I'm sure trying to get to that point that I have that time with God in prayer. If you try to serve God without prayer, listen very carefully to what I'm saying right here. You have a very arrogant spirit to believe that you can minister and do the right thing without the help of God uh, to empower you to do that. 
And so we need the help of Almighty God, and we need to do that by prayer. In Acts chapter 1, it says they prayed in one accord. In Acts chapter 1, verse 24, they prayed to have wisdom. In chapter 3, in verse 1 through 12, they prayed for the healing of the sick. In Acts chapter 6 and verse 4, they prayed for the ministry of the Word as it went forward. In Acts chapter 10, they prayed uh, that God would come up before them as a memorial and a remembrance. Uh, In Acts chapter 12 and verse 5, they prayed for cleansing. In Acts chapter 16, they prayed uh, to stand against spiritual wickedness and trials in their life. Everywhere you go in the book of Acts, hear me, they were praying, 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 praying. You know, when I pastored in... In uh, Tampa, at Westgate Baptist Church, I I would beg my people every week. My wife will tell you, I'd say, folks, when you come into church on Sunday, if you want to talk about the Buccaneers, I don't know why you'd want to, but if you want to talk about uh, the Buccaneers, have your conversation and then leave the lobby, or or I guess today it would be the retirement of Andrew Luck, right? Uh, But if you want to talk about that, talk about it, but then listen, come on in the auditorium and and get down to the altar and get on your knees and say, God, help preacher. And he's going to preach the Word in a few minutes. God, open my heart. Make me receptive to the Word of God. I mean, listen to me. We cannot do what God has called us to do if we don't have the power of the Holy Ghost on us. And we can't do it if we don't have the power of prayer in our life where we beseech Almighty God on our behalf to minister in our lives. Amen? I never, uh, what I call, mount the pulpit. I never get into the pulpit. But I haven't asked God, Lord, I need your help to do this. I need your power to do this. Number three, we need the power of God's precepts, His Word, His Word. In Acts chapter 2, it says, They continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. We need the power of the Word of God. Take your Bible very quickly and go back to the book of Timothy with me. First Timothy. In First Timothy, let me just show you the power here for just a few moments. The power, the power of God's Word. In First Timothy chapter 6 and beginning there in verse number 3, he said, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, wherefore cometh envy and strife and railings and evil surmisings and per- perverse uh, disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of truth, supposing that gain is godliness from such withdrawal thyself. He said, you can't do anything if you don't have the power of the Word of God. In your life. Look with me at 2 Timothy uh, chapter number 1. 2 Timothy 1 and verse 13. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. And then in chapter 2 and verse 2. And the things thou hast heard of me among many witnesses the same. Commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others. Also, the Word, the Word of God. Look at Second Timothy uh, chapter 4, verse 1. I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom. Preach the Word. That's where the power is at. Amen. It is in 
uh, the Word of God. Turn over to the next book there, Titus chapter 1 and verse number 9. Holding fast the faithful Word as He hath been taught, uh, that, that He may by, uh, be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and to convince uh, the gainsayers. You know what happened on the day of Pentecost when 3,000 souls got saved? Peter preached the Word, Amen. He didn't preach his own little sermonette. He didn't preach what he thought was good. He preached the Word of Almighty God. The Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and joint and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. We need to get back to the book. I think when I was here the last time I mentioned this, that only 3% of our young teenagers and in uh, the churches like ours, only 3% are reading their Bible on a daily basis. Someone asked me recently when I quoted that, they said, Brother Turner, if that's true, why do you think it's true? I said, it might be true because only 3% of the parents are reading the Bible. Because we learn, do we not? We learn those habits from those who teach us. Uh, Whichever is the truth, I'll tell you this. No wonder we're in the world of trouble we're in Uh, When our churches are upside down, when people can come to church, by the way, and act like animals sometimes and and, and behave uh, so uh, immaturely and and gossip about each other and treat each other unkindly and be full of hatred. And uh, I was in a church where uh, there was a, a strife going on between a mother and a daughter and mom was on this side of this big auditorium and the daughter was on that side of the auditorium. And, and, and you, th- you say, how can God bless us like that? We better get back to the Word of God, which tells us how to handle, listen to me, how to handle every situation that comes our way. Amen? You know what most of us need to learn how to do? Is zip the lip and just go to the book and say, God, how should I handle this situation? Not how do I feel like handling. I've been around a few preachers and done some dumb things, and I'd like to have busted a gourd for the Lord. It aggravated me. I want, I'd like to, you know, say, what in the world is wrong with you, you know? But the truth is, we have to go to the counsel of the Word of God to know how to behave. Amen? And so the power of the Holy Ghost and, and the, power, uh, the power of prayer and the power of God's precepts are His Word. And then lastly, the power of the preaching of the Word of God. I think you all know me well enough. I've been here, coming here so many years to know that I'm heavy on preaching. I like the preaching of the Word of God. But, but you know, it's just not what I prefer. It's what the Bible teaches. Let me, let me go over it with you. Maybe you can write these verses down and look at them, at least when you get home so I can get done and we can all call Brother Allen. Anyhow, uh, chapter 4 and verse 2, they preach the resurrection in the book of Acts. Chapter 5 and verse 4, the Bible says they preach Christ. In, in chapter 8 and verse 4, it says uh, they preach the Word. In chapter 8 and verse 25, they preach the death and the burial and the resurrection. Stay with me now. And chapter 8 and verse 35, they preach Jesus. And chapter 9 and verse 27, they preach boldly, boldly, with power. In chapter 10 and verse 36, they preach peace through Jesus Christ. In chapter 10 and verse 42, they preach the judgment of the quick and the dead. In chapter 13 and verse 38, they preach forgiveness of sin. It was the preaching of the Word. I was preaching in Africa years ago, and uh, I preached in a bunch of churches, villages all over the place. And that night we were in a pretty wild service, and 
the young man that took me back to the room, he said, So, uh, uh, Brother Tana, how did you like our music tonight? And I said, Well, young man, no offense, please, but I didn't like your music tonight. It was really wild and banging and clanging and getting loud and just noisy. It was, and there wasn't anything spiritual about it. He said, Well, you Americans came over here and taught us that. He said, We were taught that if we would just kind of start off kind of sweet and melodic and we'd just get a little louder and louder, God would look down on us and that He would see our sincerity and He'd come and He'd bless us and He'd give us power. And I told him, young man, I said, no offense again, but the Bible says that the power comes through the preaching of God's Word. Well, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness. But unto us which are saved, it, the preaching of the cross, it is the power of God. Why would we want to do anything? Why, why are everybody trying to cut their services down uh, to 40 minutes of music and 10 minutes of preaching? I, I was in a church in New Jersey, and, uh, and they didn't tell me, first of all, what their church service was going to be like, or they knew I wouldn't have come. It was one of my former students uh, from Boston, and, and boy, I'm telling you, they were rocking it out there. And then they introduced Brother Jack. It was time for me to preach. And the preacher leaned over and he said, there's 10 minutes left. So they went crazy for about 40 minutes and I got 10 minutes. I preached on John 3.16. The Lord just said, go to John 3.16. Bang. I preached on, for God so loved the world that he gave. I preached it as quickly as I could. And an Italian lady, an Italian Catholic lady came and got saved in that morning service. And a little later in the day, the preacher, I was amazed at this, we were in the afternoon mission conference dinner, and he said, I have been rebuked today. And he looked right at me. I thought, "Uh uh-oh, he's going to say something unkind about me. He said, I have been rebuked by the preaching of this young man. I was probably in my 40s then. He said, I gave him 10 minutes to preach and we had someone saved. We haven't had anybody saved in this church in months and months and months. I gave him ten minutes to preach, and this morning one, one Catholic lady came and got saved. And he said, the Lord rebuked me this morning through this man that the power of our services is in the preaching of the Word of God. It is, amen. The power is in preaching. I'm going to say this to you. I think you already know this. You have a pastor that's a preacher who loves the Word of God, declares the Word of God, just pray that God would give him the power of the Holy Ghost and the power of prayer and the power of God's precepts, His Word, and the power to preach, to preach, preach, preach the Word of God. Because I want to tell you, if we're going to keep building churches where people get saved, these are the things we must do. It is not on how many lights you have rotating. It's not how many smoke you have blowing. It's not in how many candles you have flickering. It's not in, it's not in the latest uh, rock band you bring in. I told a guy the other day, if you get them that way, you'll have to keep them that way, and eventually someone down the street will have a bigger and better band than you've got. But nobody can improve on the Word of God. Amen? Just preach it. Just preach it. I'm praying for your church. I pray that God will fire up your souls, and each and every one of you uh, will get excited about seeing your church grow in the years to come. Yeah, I believe there's going to be a falling away, but I believe God is able in the midst of all of that for us to take a stand and be the church He wants us to be. Amen? Would you stand with me, please? Thank you for being so attentive tonight. Our Father, we come to You tonight and
We ask that you might bless the preaching of the Word. I don't know what the need might be in any heart here tonight. I just don't. But, Father, I, I just uh, I believe that there probably are some of us that could readily admit in our heart tonight that we're not walking in prayer and we're not walking in faithful reading of the Word of God and that we're not doing all that we ought to be doing. I pray, Father, that you would just take the message tonight, apply it to our hearts, and that we would grow uh, in the grace of God and be all that you would have us to be and that we would be the church you would want us to be. We pray and ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. With our heads still bowed, let's just take a moment. If God has spoken to your heart, I don't know what the need might be as the musician plays just a verse or two of invitation hymn. Do you need to come tonight and respond to the altar? Maybe it's a, you need to ask God, help me with my prayer time. Help me with my Bible reading. Help me to have the power of thy spirit. Help me to know your word like I've never known it before. Whatever your need might be, we're not going to hold a long invitation. We're not going to plead and beg with you to come. If God's spoken, you know what you need to do. Would you just come right now? Father, help us uh, in this moment of invitation to let you speak to our hearts and to respond uh, as you would have us to respond. And we pray and ask it in Jesus' name. With heads still bowed, just for a few more uh, stanzas of this invitation. One more time through, I guess, and then we'll just... uh, Let our youth pastor come and dismiss us here tonight. Maybe even in your seat, you can just say, Lord, some things preacher said tonight, I I really am deficient in. Help me with them. Tell him what they are. Confess to the sin. Ask him to help you tonight.